Welcome back to another episode of Lounging in Lancaster. We've got Milan Vidakovic here. Um, super excited to have you come in. Thanks for driving in. I don't uh, know why, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Milan's from New Hope, um, and he was part of our photo shoot that we did over at Rock Lidditz. Um, was over, that coming up a year now? Was it, was it under? I think it was October last year. It was October last year. Yeah. Kudos to you. Thank you very much for all yeah, the yeah. shows. Kudos to all of us, man. We all pulled in together and, and, and made that happen. Yeah, that was nice. It was such a beautiful fall shoot. Everybody looked spectacular. It flowed Except for me. Well. Like, in the photos. No, no, no. I look back at the photos. It was... <laughs> No, you with the guitar. Like when you were rocking on that guitar photo, that was great. (laughs) I got the one of me and you standing in uh, in in, uh, uh, Bull's Head. Yeah, I think by that by the time we got there, it was that was a good time. Yeah, we had them drinking for a little bit. Yeah, I looked at like uh, because because I laid my card down at Blackworth. Yeah, and I looked at it later and was like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we had a good time. <laughs> I was like, it's Must all for the photo time. shoot, you know? Photos and videos turned out great. Yeah, yeah. No, but thank you for driving in. Uh, no, I wanted my to pleasure. Have you, my I honor. To have you come in. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to share a quick story about the effect that you have on people. Oh. Um, because of the positive video. effect. Yeah. Positive effect. And it, it really is. And I don't think that you yeah. always know what you're doing or, or when you're saying it, that you're you're inspiring but you came in at the very beginning I think it was the second day of shutdowns and as a business owner like you know we had been texting and it's like I was stressed and I've got no idea what's gonna happen over the next couple months and you showed up with a bottle of Shilvitsa you showed up with some cheese you brought some salami (laughs) you know like you you came in you gave me a big hug you bought a suit and you're like we're gonna get through this and it was like just sitting there for that little bit, you know, as we were talking back and forth, and you helped me with the advice on the lighting in here. Um, I mean, it, it really kind of rejuvenated me through that quarantine process to like to put it together. So I wanted to say thank you first and foremost. Um, it was very Sometimes kind. Sometimes it's it's just it's good to have those kinds of people around you. You know what I mean? And I know in like the when I first met you last year, I knew that you had some sort of energy about you. You know what I mean? It was like it was it was vibrant. You guys are going to make me cry. Probably, <laughs> cry. Cry. We'll probably get more views. Wow. No, uh, that's very like hum- humbling. Very no, but humbling. It's, it's, I, that's why I can concur with what he's saying. You know what I mean? You can, you can always see a person's spirit and like their personality and their uniqueness. And with you, it definitely, it definitely shows. You wow. know what I mean? Um, no, so thank well, you. I, I, <laughs> honestly, uh, first of all, it's my honor to be here. Um, I hope... Uh, I said to you earlier, I hope uh, on film I come out as intellectual and philosophical as I believe I am in my mind. <laughs> um, but that is humbling, and I thank you, and you know, obviously you, Donovan. I just want to say, um, you know, this is not a good old boy's hug and whatever, but from sincere, from an older guy, mm-hmm. looking out <clears throat> into our society today and all the crap that's going on, um, First of all, I didn't know I was that inspiring, but uh, I'm still I'm still still overwhelmed by the compliments. I uh, I appreciate it very very much, as you could tell. But um, hopefully, I can articulate this. But looking in uh, from our society today and the experience we shared together last year, and and you uh, have become a friend through my daughter, obviously. But uh, you're uh, you're friends of mine now. Um, I I have no matter what 
gloom and dim view I have of the uh, uh, events of today, politically, economically, socially, whatever we have going on, I always uh, say to myself, well, you know, there's, there's, there's the, uh, there's the inspirational Brian Instagrams, and there's Donovan who's doing uh, great things in the midst of chaos. Essentially, is what it is, and uh, that's what's inspiring too. I mean, well, yeah. kudos, kudos to the both of you. Your, your, your Instagrams, your business, your this um you he's spoke. inspired me from the beginning oh my god Just seeing his whole process never lost steam momentum no anything no. like that and when i saw that all i saw was an opportunity to uh um, encourage and uh, uh help if i could i know we sold a few suits together uh, <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, what, what, are we, what are we five or six in? i think we're about five now five in or now. two sport coats three suits Three sports wow. three suits, and, and yeah. we still have Mike to go. But yeah. uh, we, we got you in the Slim Fit shirt. We got you some ties. Oh, no, no. Uh, we got uh, uh, Jeff and his yeah. son. We have Eugene and his son. We have sure. Mike. Um, me, I'm irrelevant, but uh, I, I just buy it because I look good in it. Yeah. <laughs> DRS men's wear. <women. laughs> if you're not wearing DRS, you're not wearing a suit. So, and honest to God, I. It, but I want to say something about the suit thing because, like you said, and and, and I'll hopefully uh, I can uh, inspire folks, um, especially some men out there. If the the I used to go to men's warehouse or whatever blah fill in the blank of the chain and I go in there and oh, for 500 bucks I got this suit and I kind of oh can you alter and you walk out and you you never really had a suit on until you've had this guy come to your house with a computer for an hour and a half and go do you want these buttons what color do you want them do you want your uh, pockets in out over and I never knew there were so many goddamn questions about a goddamn suit. And <laughs> That's how I felt last year. I felt overwhelmed. That was I like, you. You, these are options? These are all options? I didn't know. And then you put it on, and it hugs you're like, you. Oh, you're like, oh, it kisses yes. you. It gives you love, and you go, oh, okay. And it's mine. And it's mine. It, it's Somebody made, made it for, for you. me. Mm -hmm. Nobody it, else is wearing this jacket. That was like the first that. time in my life I ever <laughs> felt like a woman. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because, oh, you know, you follow your wife around yeah. like a puppy in the yeah. mall. Oh, okay. Honey. Uh, you're, right. holding, you're holding bags. You're holding bags or whatever. And they're sitting there going, mm, mm, mm. Until like, it just gets it right. Feeling. And when they get it right, they buy it. They're smarter than we are. Mm -hmm. Totally. When they get that just right and they go, oh, okay. This is the one. And they buy it. But they go through this whole process. We're like, we've been conditioned, I guess, to think that, hey, just... Throw that shit on. Nobody cares what you yeah, look like. Uh, right. Get a frumpy shirt. Yeah, I'll yeah, roll yeah, the sleeves yeah. up. Yeah, bro, bro, yeah. So, so, uh, so to get my first custom suit, and I bought a couple since then, and a couple, three jackets. Only two jackets, honey. Um, this one's mine too, by the way. Um, when they fit like that, when they fit like that, yeah. you're just sitting there going, "Oh damn, I'm the shit." Yeah. You know, I. There's no other way to put it. No, no, no you, well, you know what happens? Your spine straightens up. Your shoulders go back. Your chin comes up, and you go, yeah, I got all a little of a confidence. All of a sudden, you have that, that, that boost of confidence. A little bit of confidence. personality and the character that's already in there yeah. has been well, tell inspired you by... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I was uh, a sales manager for many years, um, 
up in New York, and mm. I had eight. What type of company? Uh, engineering company. Okay. I won't go into the name. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, engineering company, and I had eighteen direct reports, and they're all engineers and everything. Right. And I remember when my company uh, um, announced, and w the protocol at the time was shirt and tie always, jacket was optional, right. and we all came to work with a shirt and tie. And um, I'm old school. Very old school. You'll probably find out after you ask me a question. But I'm, I'm very old school. I'm I'm very liberal. I'm a registered independent, but I'm very liberal-minded about social issues and conservative about some other things. But um, and and old school in that I I knew that when we all got dressed up, we acted different. You act differently in an environment when you're dressed up and you got a tie. On there's a there's an elevated level of professionalism. Mm -hmm. When we got the announced that we're doing away with the ties, I actually called HR, my boss. I said this is a mistake. We're professionals uh, in sales, uh, sales. Uh, it's not used car sales. We, we did engineered products. We designed uh, and built and and bid on. Um, for instance, uh, I did the Holland Tunnel. Back in the day, all the electrical engineering for uh, and sold the entire project. It was seven point two million dollars or something like that. Wow! But, Jeez. but um, you know, so so we were professionals. We were dealing with professionals. We acted professional. And when they told us there was a tie, it, it, people started coming in with polo shirts and everything. That's what and, I was gonna ask. Yeah. Like, so so like now casual? now the uniform is uh, if you're management, it's like this, right? Minus the coat, mostly the tie. So it's a it's a nice shirt. Um, then it became uh, sales guys came in polo shirts. Everybody's got the golf shirt, and, and you could, I could tell you exactly the date when the professionalism went down. Mm. It was when that new rule was instated, and you could see it. <clears throat> then it was Jeans Friday. Casual Friday. Casual Friday. Casual Friday. And and it started out we if you wanted to wear jeans you paid a dollar and we donated. And you wear jeans. And then it turned into, oh, sorry, I was rushing. I came into work on a Monday with jeans. And pretty soon, you know, today, people walk in, you know, and you could tell that the professionalism uh, deteriorated in, in the speech, the manner, the, uh, the interaction. Because once the clothing became casual, the whole personality and the interactions became casual the language, as well. Everything kind of went with it. The language went with it. Um, not to say that, and, and when I speak, I speak in generalities. Obviously, there's exceptions to those rules and what have you. <clears throat> and anything we speak about, and not to totally, there's people that are obviously can be professional in a t-shirt, right. um, um, or or pajamas. But um, it, overall, the sense that I found was when that happened. So. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you for bringing it back. Of course. And thank you for uh, promoting course. it. And thank you for the nice clothes I have. Yeah. <laughs> I was in I was in Air Force ROTC the first two years of college, and I teetered on the fence of if I wanted to go military officer or if I wanted to branch into you know private sector. I ended up going private sector. Right. But one of the main things that was drilled into my head those first two years, and I will always remember this. Perception is reality. Absolutely. Like, especially in the military. Like, how you're perceived is how you are. That's reality. So they're like, so you've got to be careful. Like, if you end up in some hairy situations, however you're perceived is exactly how they're going to treat you. Exactly. So 
as someone that now sells clothing, you can't tell me that clothing doesn't matter right. because it's how someone's going to perceive you. Of course. So it's like if I if you walk in and you're like, no, nah, I want a better deal on that, and they're kind of looking like, oh man, this guy's kind of, you know, wishy washy. They're like, nah, no, that's the deal. Right. You walk in, you present yourself like you know something about it, and they're like, oh, okay, you're going to get a different reaction mm-hmm. based upon how you present yourself. True. So that perception's reality has been something that's really stuck with me, especially through this. And giving the guys the confidence to be able to look their best, feel their best, and then act their best mm-hmm. is exactly what I want to try to mimic as a clothier. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to be able to dress you for whatever scene that you're looking for. You know, right now I'm in the suits. You know, eventually we'll get to active wear and probably lifestyle wear too. But, right. but knowing how to dress in every scene is something that like it's essential it, and it's kind of gone by the wayside it's for kind guys. of forgotten though you know it's like you get a wedding invitation and you're like cocktail attire what does that mean right you know versus like black tie like, you know I see people show up to black tie weddings with sport coats and I'm like you know you're supposed to be wearing like either a black or a very dark charcoal and a bow tie Right. Let me. You know what? You don't have a tie on. Yeah. I don't want to. I, I don't want to go too deep on you too quick. But um, that lesson I just explained to you all. Um, I see that as a, um, a metaphor for where we're going with the society. If if you look at now, um, even weddings, funerals, or anything like that, um, clothing. Clothing was a uh, a statement of of culture and tradition and when we start chipping away at those little things and and and, and I know it's an oh, oh Milan it's just a little thing shut up no um, and you see it today in everything we do um, once you start chipping away a little uh, at funerals hey, you don't have to wear black anymore hey, you don't have to wear a suit no more hey, there's a whole cultural chipping away that becomes so casual um, th- that I think it's truly a detriment to us as a society. Um, when you stop, when you stop the traditions, that's when we become uh, so homogenized and so um, ineffective. Um, we we become stagnant. stagnant. We um, there's when there's no special occasion, there's no special occasion anymore. Um, so we have to keep these things going. Um, you know. Uh, that's just how I feel. Maybe I'm too traditional in that respect, but uh, I think I think I can give important. you some uh, piece of hope. I don't think weddings are going away. No, I, I, I think I think maybe the importance of marriage might have deteriorated a little bit because you see the divorce rates skyrocketing. Sure, sure. But I don't think that the tradition itself is the tradition itself, tradition right? It's not going to go anywhere. And I and same I think there's a there's like enough content coming out now. Mm-hmm where people are starting to get those like little nuggets of success from these really great writers mm-hmm. and people are actively looking for it especially via quarantine because you saw depression skyrocket oh, it's right it is, yeah. so it's these psychology is. books and all of these things that are like that are coming out like send them to your friends give them those great literary writers <laughs> because it's like now is the time that one you're probably sitting at home so you have time. Society's giving you all the time in the world to fill your brain with something that's going to make you like strong. So and turn whole. it into an opportunity, right? Because mental health is is a thing. You know what I mean? And if you ignore certain elements of 
of your mind, it's only going to take you into darker places or positive places, and you choose the direction that you want right. to go in. And it's like, read those good books because they're classic works for a reason. Share them, yeah. And so share, share them. Share those. Mm. You know, and, and, and I used to hate reading growing up because I was always worried about this and that and all these other things, and I was moving all the time, and it's like, <coughs> I missed so much on the importance of these, like, it just Great didn't click with writers. me. I was way too young to understand, like, what virtue was and to, like, I had no life experience. And now it's like, now I'm getting these literary works, and it's like, it's almost like my my steering ship, you know? It's mm -hmm. like the captain. It's like I'm... I'm on the boat, and it's like yeah. they're helping guide and shape you, and that's exactly what they're there for. Um, I'm smiling at you because uh, <clears throat> you're about a light year away uh, uh, ahead of me. Um, it <laughs> took me 57, 56 years to get there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, that's what I admire about you um, and, and, and young folks like you, um, both of you. Uh, you're you're inspired by some of that. Unfortunately, we're being guided today in a, in a society where we've allowed um, the lazy and the, what I call the pseudo-educated uh, college graduates uh, that have been indoctrinated by craziness um, today. And unfortunately, these folks have a platform. Uh, it's called social media, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, and uh, their ignorance is far-reaching and 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 it's it's motivating and uh, inspiring ignorance um, in a lot of a lot of places and and the problem is this closing the mind a little bit too oh they're totally closed it's, it's they're clo totally it's closing closed. the mind yeah it's, it's because what the what social media is doing I just actually watched and I recommend anybody to watch this um, on on Netflix it's called the social dilemma yep did you see it and the one thing that stood out to me is when he called he called, you know, cell phones and even social media or anything like that digital pacifiers. That's all it is. And that's, that's all that's it is. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, and it really... It allows the lazy to stay lazy. That's what I mean. You don't think outside of the box because that that's is group your little thing. box. Your little, your little that's two, your little group. Two. That's all you're It's thinking. an echo chamber. So it's yeah. like anything that you can think of, you could put out there and you'll get it right back to you. Immediately. And you'll get it back two and three times. That's so what an echo is. Fellow. You know, and it's... They've actually done studies that likes and Instagram stopped this I, there's a fascinating count story about that count stop counting um, the likes because you used to see how many millions of likes you got or right. thousands of likes yeah. you got and you that, that immediate they actually have done studies uh, behavioral psychologists have done studies that that actually prove that every time like it released the same endorphins as drugs do in mm -hmm. your brain mm -hmm. and you got that yeah, same so, yeah. yeah no I did, did you watch did, that I did watch it yeah it's Same struck a nerve, man. Mm -hmm. Could yeah, you imagine? It, it makes you want to throw your phone yeah. in the river. And then, yeah, and then if your phone, <laughs> then if your phone's not going off and you're not getting those now likes, you start to enter like a little light depression. What you're like, what? Not even depression. Consider the motivation. You're a 15 year old girl, and you put out there. And they showed that too. Hey, you you should put out there that, hey, how do I look? And you got 30, 40 likes. Right. Oh, feel good. And you got one, 30, 40 bats. Oh my god. 15 year old girl 13 year old girl boy what especially girls mm -hmm. right. with with image and all that at that tender age tender right tender mind. age yeah. so can you imagine the effects of that that is it's it's, it's stupefying I mean it's just crazy I know I want to uh, say for the listeners here I want to bring up your back story a little bit Milan and I want to have you talk about 
because you moved to America when and where are you from? Okay. I was born in Yugoslavia. Okay. It's, it was a country. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> oh, what part? No, all right. It's irrelevant. I, I consider myself Yugoslavian. Okay. Um, and it was a country all the way up until Jamie's check me no um (laughs) until it totally broke up in 92 ish time frame um but i was born in uh, yugoslavia what what now is uh northern serbia my father is croatian my mother is bosnian we came here to those were states yeah that's like me saying you know donnie where are you from well i'm from i was born in pennsylvania my mom's from maryland and my dad's from jersey that's exactly what that is. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. so a little more complicated, but essentially there were right. six. There were six states in the uh, uh, that comprised uh, Yugoslavia, which bordered Italy and Greece. If, for those of you who don't know, it sits on the Adriatic. Um, absolutely gorgeous, uh, very uh, agricultural-based um, country. So we moved here after the war. Um, uh, obviously, um, in the mi- uh, mid '60s, and uh, <clears throat> my the reason we came here is my grandmother married a gentleman after the war, lived in Warren, Ohio, okay. and she brought my dad over. Years later, married me, so the three of us came here with two suitcases and me, wow. and not a goddamn thing else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were so damn poor, but back then and and. Uh, just I guess figure out who I am back then and right now I reflect on it and back in those days uh, you had to have a guarantor here in the states that they guaranteed you mm. they guaranteed that you would they would provide for you not the state wow. that they would guarantee they would provide for you you uh, you had to show uh, uh, um, employment mm-hmm. um, you had to apply for citizenship uh, five-year waiting list you had to take your citizenship uh, in front of a judge uh, in Warren, uh, my parents did, uh, in English. So when we came here, all those things had to happen, and we did. And when they complied to it, we got lawyers, we filled out the forms, we applied, we waited five years, and we were, uh, we were in the uh, Warren Tribune. I have the article at home, um, framed in a, in a photo album and uh, we were the first family in Warren, Ohio middle America that uh, became citizens on the same day the husband and wife and child wow. in 1973 how old were you? 10 10 in 73 yeah so if you're 18 or younger, you right. automatically became citizen because your parents were citizens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, applied mm-hmm. and did that. So uh, you know there was no, hey, I'm here, give me welfare. And um, my my sister was born in '68 when we came uh, in Warren Trumbull Memorial Hospital, and we didn't say, oh, that's our anchor kid. We uh, give me money, give me welfare, give me. No, it was a, you had to have a job, you had to have a sponsor. Um, all those things, and now I see what's going on in this country, and we get too political. But um, when you when you sit here and go, oh, I made it, I walked over the border. Now give me my paycheck. The hell are you talking about? <laughs> the hell are you talking about? So um, when we came here, that that was it. My father was a baker uh, by trade uh, in the military uh, in Yugoslavia. Every eighteen year old boy 
had to go in the army for two years. And in the army, you just didn't go to the army, they taught you shit. Guys, a car mechanic, a baker, a locksmith, a, 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 whatever mm -hmm. your trade was, they taught your trade. And no one that came out of the army was not a tradesman in some aspect Something. of life. And right. so that, that was usually their trade for life. So the, um, we were so damn poor. Oh my God, I, I, Warren, Ohio was the Rockwell painting of America back then. <laughs> right now, oh uh, it God. was. It was. We played in the streets. It rained. All the kids in the neighborhood came out, and we yeah, patterned in bathing suits, and you know, not a care in the world. And now, yeah, Warren, Ohio is Beirut. Yeah. It is Beirut. It's just so sad. Huh? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. We went back uh, years ago. I brought my family back to visit some folks uh, on Ohio, in Ohio Street, more in Ohio. And uh, we went to visit these folks for about two hours. We sat in the living room. And if I told you that we heard sirens go by 12 times, I'd be lying. It's probably more. Wow. Um, but it is, uh, it's crime-ridden, drug-ridden. It's, it's absolutely... Um, for me, it was devastating because that was, you know, across the street from my Childhood. house. Well, across the street from my house was a, a pond, and my friend Mary lived there, and um, she had uh, uh, weeping willows. She had uh, cherry trees. We climbed the cherry trees, and mm -hmm. got sick. It's and, crazy how that happens. Yeah, right. yeah. So that's that's a sad thing, but um, but growing up was wonderful there. Um, we didn't know any better that we were poor. Um, my first bicycle, my parents couldn't afford. Uh, neighbor, Mr. Masters, across the street, took one out of the junkyard. Uh, it was kind of like a, almost like a radio flyer type one. <laughs> shined it up, polished it up, and and there and there we went. I remember getting my first bike bike one year, um, eleven or so. Um, we got a used monkey bar with the sissy bar and mm. the monkey bars, mm -hmm. and I remember putting playing cards in the spokes and. Sounded like an engine. Uh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm <laughs> guilty of that too. Yeah. So the reason we came here, um, I, I think I really wanted to articulate for some of the audience, I guess, maybe if you're younger folks, are, uh, uh, we came here for the freedom and, um, and the promise of the golden line streets. And if you work hard, you, you get what you get. And, here I am, I was the first one to graduate college, got my master's degree, first one in my family. Um, this country has offered such great opportunity, but we all had to work very hard for it. My parents, my mother, I, I my first job was uh, working in Dunkin' Donuts where my dad worked two jobs. He worked at a bakery and Dunkin' Donuts. Uh, my mom was waitressing, and I cleaned floors at, at 14 years old. Um, I don't even know if, I, if they paid me or the company paid me. I don't even remember. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but it was so long. But, you know, um, and, and, we, and we worked hard for that. And uh, matter of fact, um, we were so poor. Uh, all our furniture, everything we got was from neighbors. Mm -hmm. Everything. Patty and I. What's wrong with that? It was it was awesome. Uh, uh, kudos to the Masters in uh, in Warren, Ohio, Mr. and Mrs. Masters. Uh, American people, we didn't speak their language. Um, uh, 
years old. Uh, anyway, so I mean, Patty and I threw away our my, our last piece of furniture that we got. Patty and I threw away after we got married in 1993. We threw away the last piece of furniture. So that wasn't that too long ago, um, and it was a tin. Uh, glasses and things uh, uh, hutch gotcha. threw away a hutch in 1993 that was made out of tin and wow that's old school right there yeah wow. it was made tin out of hutch yeah yeah that was a thing I remember yeah. oh yeah ding you too. close it and the whole thing vibrates yep <laughs> but you know those are fond memories well. and 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 uh, to my whole motivation to the inspiring later on I guess um, you only find true happiness and true joy is if you struggled at all. Um, mm -hmm. Happiness is a happiness is a place uh, you achieve. It's not given to you by some uh, momentary, um, adventurous, gratuitous from somebody gift or something. Happiness, true happiness, comes from the struggle to get there. And if you have no struggle, you can't achieve happiness. You find a greater value to the next moment. You, you, you value it. You cherish it. Yeah. I call and those moments being battle-tested. Mm. Yeah. You know, once you're able to succeed past being tested through the battles, man. It's, a, it's the hero I've had myth. my own. I'm not, I'm not going to get into any of that right now. But yeah. we've all had our experiences in life. You know what I mean? And when, oh, when you yeah. come from... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say it. When you come from dark places, you tend to appreciate the light a little more. Yeah, you I, know what I mean, and those are rewards, and those in itself are achievements. You know what I mean, and you find greater value in the next moments by going through those, you know, darker times. Yeah, and that's what—that's the importance of what we were saying earlier with the literary guys. It's like, like those dark moments can bring you one of two ways. Yeah. They can keep you down there. Or you can center yourself through really, really, really great or novelists. Or you can turn out like Dostoevsky's uh, <laughs> yeah. novel and go with the yeah. dark side. Yeah, and go super no doubt. dark. No so it's super like, dark. and the other thing that I've been listening to, and we both really love this guy Jordan Peterson. Mm -hmm. He starts bringing symbolism into some of our older movies, and it's like a lot of guys think that Snow White is a movie for girls, and it's not. It's a movie for young boys and men mm. because in the very beginning you have that like the the tyrant uh queen that's like you're gonna stay here and you know i'm not gonna let you out for years and by the time you get out of here you're gonna be old and decrepit and lonely and paints this horrible picture for the guy and he finds the courage to fight against her which is his demons and she goes haywire she turns into that dragon he yeah. slays the dragon and it's only through battling his inner self that he's even able to achieve the awakening of the femininity right. which is like if you're not working on yourself every day how could you expect to find that in a partner absolutely well he does the you same know what i mean he does the it's same like, thing gosh. with pinocchio uh, right all disney is those original movies now it's garbage but the original you know how, how woke can you get is yeah. the competition in hollywood and disney but the old ones the, the, the Pinocchio, the Snow White, those are all tales uh, that we used to hand down verbally to each other, as every 
primitive society, and then we started writing it down, and then we started filming it, and that's all those are. Right. So you know, when he talks about Pinocchio and, and the struggle with his father, mm-hmm. you know, and the swallowing of the whale, and and how that relates to uh, uh, to, to the father dominance and breaking away, becoming your own person, and blah blah blah. That's all all that is about. Yeah. That's an old story. Eventually, by mouth, by writing, and then on celluloid. Um, celluloid film. Yeah. Now, now it's digital. Uh, <laughs> I'm old. Um, so, but, but, but that's all it is. And, and he breaks it down very succinctly. And uh, um, I have to tell you a story. Um, the last one about my youth. And my girls always tell me um, when they were younger, uh, Dad, tell me the story. Tell me the story again about how, uh, how when you moved here. So when I moved here, I didn't speak English, obviously. <laughs> no one spoke English. There was no uh, English as a second language for Yugoslavians in Warren, Ohio. No, there was no English or Spanish for you know second language in Warren, Ohio, in the Midwest breadbasket of America. Um, I came over uh, at five-ish, and, and, and I went to school, and I always tell my girls, always say, tell us a story dad and I said well when I went to school and I envy you guys I envy my wife um, mm-hmm. we go to parties and stuff and they all go remember Miss so and so's kindergarten class ma story after remember so and so's second and third grade class we did ma and I sit back and I and they look at me and go Milan you have to have a story about when you're in kindergarten first second grade don't you and I'm like no I um, I don't I mean I, mean, I, I remember vaguely remember being there right right but when so i tell them and my girls are well what was that like and i was struggling for the longest time to get some sort of parallel <clears throat> to what anecdotally what that would be like and i said to and it finally occurred to me and i said oh so when daddy was first second third grade i started speaking a little bit but kindergarten first second grade i don't remember much because i wasn't there i, I was physically there but I didn't understand anything. Right. So I, I said, do you remember the uh, old uh, Peanuts episodes? Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Brown Charlie and Brown, all that. Yeah. What happened when the parents came by? Did you ever hear the parents talk on Charlie Brown? No. I said, my first three, four years. That's what it was like when everybody was Whoa. They yeah. would talk at me and I would sit there and go, Wah, 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 you're wah. trying to read the and emotions. You're like, I wonder. I have no idea. They yeah. would tell me to do things. Uh, you know, you're like, yeah, I, I, I probably think they thought that I was dumb. Right. And mm-hmm. um, and back then in the '60s, early '70s, I I would imagine that um, without training or anything, they probably thought, you know, this guy's dumb or whatever. Yeah, He's yeah. a little slow or whatever. So I didn't understand yeah. English. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, when I left in fourth or fifth grade to go to New Jersey, because the um, depression hit in the 70s, I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. uh, Van Affel Steel, Bethlehem Steel, GM, Chrysler, uh, GE, yep. all, they, uh, uh, it was an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh closed down, practically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's regentrified since. But we had to go find work. So we went to New Jersey where there was a settlement of uh, Yugoslavian people and they said, come out here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so we moved out there and that's how um, I ended up on the East Coast here. But um, up until 
third or fourth grade, all I heard was wah, 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 wah. And my wow. memories. There wasn't any sort of, like, how were, were you learning English at all? I was all? the only foreign kid There's in the no, school. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's no, why like, I can't your, assume that there was, like, like were your parents, speech Were your classes? parents learning much that they could kind of help you I, along? I learned before, before you Yeah. I interpreted things for many years. Today. They didn't have too many yeah. programs. Like, I would assume at that time, so like there is now. No, there was none. Like, yeah. We have kids none. that are coming from Africa, you know, this part of Africa. We have kids that are coming from South America. You know, all, right. all these, like, programs that they have that they could develop. Yeah, and like you said, there was none. Zero. You know what Zero. I mean? Zero. I was like, the only like, foreign pre, Like, speech classes or pre-first, you know, to where they give, like, immigrant children... The opportunity to go to this class or you know pre first for a little bit before you get to first because of the you know the, 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 the man bridge. i'm surprised that there wasn't like nothing man and it was like figure it out that's pretty much what it was it wow was. yeah yeah it was um and i i translated for my parents uh for many years even as an adult i i you know they they spoke broken english i right. told you um my father used to speak like uh i told uh donnie that's uh a euphemism that my father a uh, little life lesson I used to run around dad 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 uh, Mark and Tommy and this and they're all my friends my friends my friends and he goes Milan not everybody can be your friend <laughs> and I said in my language he would say right. but and this is how we talked so I said Milan not everybody can be your friend he goes Milan you say everyone your friend yeah let me tell you something. If you die and you have one really good friend, you die a rich man. <laughs> and that's uh, something I... Gosh, that's poetic. I mean, that's <laughs> so like... And I don't know if it's like the American in me that's just like... Like loving the accent that he's throwing right now. <laughs> I do. I do. A, but I do it a is great, like I do a great yeah. Moscow Milan when I sing because I can't sing. But mm-hmm. Moscow Milan can sing damn well. Yeah. <laughs> Just drop yeah, it, drop it low. Oh no, yeah. he, he he sings like this, you know. You sing whatever you want to sing, dance the way we want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever just like? Do you ever go into places and and throw on the really thick accent just to mess with people? Yes, I've I've done that you when, I was, younger, when yeah. I was younger. When I was younger. When I was younger. I'd be doing yeah. that until the day. When I was that. younger. <laughs> Okay, so speaking of family traditions and Yugoslavia. Yes. Slavian. We're drinking uh, Shlilvica. Very well said. I said that right. By the way, you, was, was even your, your, your pronunciation is spot on. Vidakovic, Shlilvica, awesome. Where is well, it? I have Ukrainian, which is almost the no, same. No, no, it's I, can very close. I can understand um, a little Ukrainian. Funny story. I don't know if I've actually told you this one. Um, so as we were looking up... Um, and I'm not sure if I said this on the Waltz pa- podcast either. I think so. We were looking up my family's history, right? And they were, when they were leaving the Ukraine area, they fled from the Bolshevik army coming in underneath hay bales. And my, my grandpa was like, I think three at the time. And when they were leaving, they like, like almost taped his mouth shut and was like holding his mouth so he wouldn't cry mm-hmm. so no one would hear mm-hmm. underneath the hay bales as they were leaving communi- like communism wow. so like as you <laughs> I, we've had a lot of talks upon that and you know like at times it almost feels like we're in this like weird parallel of seeing this stuff come back but like oh my father is rolling in his grave right now yeah I mean it's to see 
brings a tear. The amount side. of people that are here in America that have purposely fled certain ideologies, yeah. it's it's astonishing. Yeah, it's wild. You know, and it's like, and, and I still have those, like, and they wrote the stories down um, of when they were leaving. It's like we found, like, the journals that, like, was yeah, like, I remember yeah, you like, saying that. We had a conversation. We found this journal, and it's like we had to flee this town, and it's like. <clears throat> Let me, just quickly for you young folks out there, I just want to. Um, It, it's sad. Like I said, my father is probably rolling in his grave now. We came here to uh, for opportunity uh, that we didn't have in a socialist country. Um, and everybody's advocating socialism now. Let me tell you what modern-day Serbia looks like right now. My uh, cousin's son, uh, in my language, uh, we, we call it, he's my, my son um, from my sister. It's translated. Mm-hmm. Um He's there right now. He was here as a student a couple years ago. I, he lived with me for two years. He went to school. He had an F-1 visa. His F-1 visa ran out. He's back. Right. This is what socialism looks like. And this is where um, young folks are talking about um, free school, free, free this, free that. Mm-hmm. You know what? In Serbia right now, there is free college. There always was. But it's socialist. And what that translates to all the other things combined. I, I ask him, I, I talk to him frequently, mm-hmm. online, phone. He says, says, oh, it could buy. It's a, uh, Baz, euphemism for me, um, a shortened name. And he says, Uncle Uncle Ba, Uncle Milan, uh, uh, he says, listen, he says, oh, oh, school's free. Everybody's got, my got my cousin's got her doctorate in, in economics. I have my, I have my degree. Uh, this guy, we sit at cafes at night and ask our parents for a couple of dollars because there's no jobs. They're all sitting at cafes around Belgrade and Pancho and other places. And now that he's got his degree, he can't leave. The U.S. won't give him a visa anymore. Do you know why? He's a flight risk. Yeah. He'll come here and he'll stay and not leave again because he has no land no job to go back to, no land to go back to, no job to go back to, no marriage to go back to, no children to go back to. He's a young guy with nothing holding him to his country. He can't go anywhere. He can't go anywhere. So they sit around at cafes. Oh, it's free education. Awesome. But the ruling class mm-hmm. is nepotistic and corrupt. Yeah. Well, it's corrupt and it's nepotistic. It's mm-hmm. by by the and that's and that's and they give jobs to their friends and mm-hmm. the next group comes in. They give jobs. And if you're not in that circle, you're sitting around with a PhD at a cafe with nothing to do. And that's a lot of and that's a lot of kind of that Eastern Europe side too because it's not just. It's Serbia. not just Yugoslavia. Greece kind of has that same problem. Well, Greece has always too. had it. Now, like, now you're looking at France. You're looking at mm-hmm. uh, Spain. You're looking at... Uh, anyway, anyway, that's... Okay. Well, okay. Yes. So, the Shlilvitsa. So, I on said the bright right, side. Because of the fact that I... I think I, I relate like a little bit. Brian yes. Like so, the Shlilvitsa, we got a little sidetracked there. Um, plum... They, they call it brandy here, but it's plum whiskey. It's your it's our, whiskey. It's our whiskey. So what's the tradition behind Shlilvitsa? Okay. In Berkasovo, and if you've ever seen Fiddler on the Roof, the old one with the uh, tie. I was tie, young, so tie. I don't remember. Well, oh, you have it, to watch that. It, it, it is. If you appreciate, If you appreciate music or whatever, you should watch the old uh, um, Fiddler on the Roof. But uh, 
and it's this remote place in Russia. The film takes place. They didn't film it there, by the way. They filmed the two towns from where I was born. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, it's uh, um, in, in the credits. I'm sitting there watching the credits when I filmed in. Uh, I was like, "Holy crap!" That's two towns from where I was born. <laughs> it was that stark. I mean, yeah. you know, when they got the uh, it, when you watch the movie, there's this train station guy puts a flag up. The only reason the train stops in the middle of this wheat field is because there's the the flag was up and it was on a a red flag on a stick and he stops and picks up his daughter and flies away and there's nothing around well that's where I was born in some wheat field um, took my weight back in 90 long story anyway so <laughs> my grandmother my grandmother had a little place with no indoor plumbing we, we had to take a, the pump you pump it up and you shower up mm -hmm. and water coming out of a pump in the middle of Eastern Europe is freaking cold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, real cold. Chilly. Anyway, yeah. so in the yard, she had uh, <laughs> trees everywhere. So we have plum trees. Beautiful. And and uh, those plums are Italian plums, they call them. Uh, okay. and, or or uh, some finger plums, I think some people call them. Um, but anyway, they're there, and they're all over the place, um, in, in out front in the house. And as little kids, as boys, um, we used to climb the tree. And plum trees aren't very tall. They're, mm -hmm. they're very, uh, a lot of branches, very low, but you climb up. And uh, um, they're not like oak trees or anything. It's a, it's a fruit tree, right? Um, and there's hundreds of them. And so all the girls and the moms and everybody would bring out baskets about this big. And they're baskets, I say, it's just woven and it's not deep. It's just, and they would put them around the tree and the boys would climb up and we'd shake it. Yeah. And all the plums would fall. And there'd be a barrel. And then uh, Grandma used to take, uh, we used to put the plums all in, in the big barrels. And and you did it like jam, you know, for the winter, mm -hmm. you know. So you would make, and in, in, in Yugoslavia, um, we had soak bottles, which are soda bottles. But they were juice bottles. They are about this big, four or five ounces. And you would take, um, and they would ferment she put the sugar in and it would rise it would ferment and whew, oh man very pungent and they would take hundreds of these little tiny bottles and they would fill them up and on top they'd put pig intestine mm -hmm. and they would tie it with a string and pig intestine when it dries it dries solid right and and, and that would be the cap and i remember my grandfather my father's father i went to see him uh once <laughs> He was a tall man. Croatians are amongst the tallest people in the world. Croatians and Somalians, uh, Somalians and Croatians, amongst the tallest people in the world. And he was that, yeah, yeah, Croatians. I've yeah. heard that before. Well, there is every every basket like, every basketball. Eight feet. Oh, yeah. listen. There, there's some crazy history on Every basketball team has well, to have one Croatian on it. Is that like the very athletic too? Oh, yeah. One of the best the soccer teams too as well. Persia was like that way right yeah um, Persia was Turkey but yeah Croatia's Croatia's not. in Yugoslavia yeah. it's, it's right next door to Italy right. for some reason the Croatians and I think Somalians are amongst the tallest people in the world but uh, average height so my grandfather was 6'2 I had an uncle 6'4 and another uncle Pera was 6'6 six, six. Uh, my dad was the short one <laughs> but but my, I remember I remember it, it, it was thin you know and I remember him taking in the morning, early in the morning, because they didn't brush their teeth. Uh, <laughs> so he didn't anyway. So he would take one of these and take the pig skin off, and he would sit there and he'd take four or five ounces of this. Yeah. 
and I remember his big Adam's apple, and all I remember was going, well, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and he would take it. Anyway, so the history of. Wow, I couldn't imagine. Oh, that. early in the morning. In the morning? Early in the First morning. First thing in the morning, chugging that? Yes. And so, so, be a rough one. so we wanted to, uh, my brother-in-law, <laughs> my brother-in-law and my best friend and I, uh, uh, decided that we we're going to make sure it's a, cause he got an affinity for my, uh, yeah. for my, uh, family and everything. So we went out to a place in Newark and we got 40 cases of, 40 cases of plums and we bought a 55 gallon, uh, oak barrel mm-hmm. and we, we got our kids to help us out, and my daughter and her two cousins stomped on all those uh, plums. Traditional. And we that distilled is... it. We got a hand. We somebody knew somebody knew somebody yeah, had yeah. a hand painted copper still made in Bosnia. We brought it to the Whoa. house. We brought it to the house. The guy was very gracious. We were we were kin. We were a kin, you know, yeah, Yugoslavian. Yeah. My mother's from Boston. Oh, yeah, okay, I'll give it to you. Um, so we distilled this, and we distilled it twice. And uh, that's what they had for it. But I was a bit of a jerk and didn't know what we were doing. So I had a hydrometer and, um, to measure the alcohol mm-hmm. content. And uh, I went out and bought that. And uh, <laughs> we're distilling it. And uh, by the way, side note, <clears throat> whenever distilling anything... The first couple drops, I found out, because I'm not as smart as you guys. <laughs> you guys are getting all this now. I've got it. <laughs> I'm not that smart. Really. So when the you take alcohol so so I did this, and you put a string outside of the still. When it goes through the cooling process, you put a string down at the end, and you put your bucket there. We had a. Uh, Five gallon water drop there. So you can that straight string. Yeah, so you put a piece of string there and it, it started coming out. I was so fascinated. I said, Oh my God. I said, And I put a bottle cap just like this in there and I went, Oh, I gotta try this. And, oh. When pure alcohol at 200% hits hit your uvula, yeah. you, you can die. I found yeah. out later you could yeah. actually die. You could go blind. No, you can yeah. actually die. <laughs> Really? It will stop your heart. I heard the blindness uh, thing because it's like the methane. I don't know about the proof. I, it's four hundred proof. Yeah, it's two hundred percent alcohol. It's alcohol. So you don't That's do why that. You let that. So shit sit kids, for a year. yeah, because it smooths out. Well, well, it smooths out as it's dripping all the way. So mm-hmm. as more it drips, the more fruit content, the more sugar, more everything. <laughs> but the first couple drops are actually pure alcohol. I did not know that. Oh, what was your face like? Footnote. Well, no, I actually, I choked for 15 minutes. They were trying to help me breathe. Yeah. It hit my uvula because I, you're, you're, it's like you're one of those ammonia you probably cap- couldn't get air. It's like one of those ammonia capsules where you like, you pass out yes. and you put it up to your, and and you're like, <gasps> I know smell salts are like, we also had those at Nina's wedding. <laughs> so, I, so the moron that I am, um, uh, I stopped the, uh, Fermentation process, uh, not ferment, uh, the alcohol uh, distilling process. I stopped at a uh, hundred and twelve proof. One twelve. One twelve. Percent or proof? A uh, percent. Sorry, one hundred twelve percent. That's still like two hundred and some proof. Oh, and, and so we we bottled yeah. it. It was strong. Did we bottled. Outlaw, just did they outlaw Bacardi one fifty one? Oh, not yet. No. Do they? St- is it, I don't see it in stores anymore. 
Do they sell much of it? I don't know. I haven't seen one. That one fifty one. That's so funny. That was one of the first things that I started drinking as like a young kid. Wow. Like I was like eighteen and I was like, what should we get? And someone was like, Oh, have the one fifty one and I was like, We don't know any better. (laughs) That's the first taste of alcohol we had. I almost didn't drink again. <laughs> I was like, that'll oh, this is terrible. Make, that'll make, that'll make, <laughs> oh, this is awful. It's like a lot, of the, a lot of the people that blow fire, people at the circuses and, and, and things yeah. like that, that's what they use to blow fire. Yeah. yeah. So 151 is 151 proof. Yeah. It was 224 proof. 112%. Yeah. Oh, 112%. Right, which is so 80 two, proof, which 40, is, 40, you double it, right? And the proof is double. Al- 40% alcohol So 112 times proof. two. Yeah. That's like 230 proof. Like, yeah. So I said to the so during my speech, <laughs> 151 is 151 proof. Proof. Yeah. So. Yeah. So at my daughter's wedding, I I tell Rebecca, <laughs> the photographer, I said, Rebecca, I just want you to do me a favor since you're taking photos. I told this story quickly, hopefully. I told this story of how the bottle came to be. I said, uh, do me a favor. When I do the toast, please take a couple pictures of the bridal party because they're drinking that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a video of my my niece. Oh she was going. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so we kept oh, the tradition the alive. I have three other bottles for my two nieces and my other daughter Anna. Um, so yeah, so that's been quite honestly one of the best weddings I've ever been to. Yeah. That was so much fun. Like the sand dance floor, everything. The, the tent beach, was off. Yeah. The beach there, like it was. It was, uh, it was drizzling. To, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. drizzling. So like they had the tent, thank but like, thank you. man, it was great. Yeah, it was good. Everything went off good. awesome. Was. Food was good. Everything was good. Jake purposely ripped his pants. <laughs> I'm still a sub. Yes, I, we I don't want to talk live. Yeah, but yeah so right. <laughs> <laughs> I make I make a good buddy of mine. A really good fitting seersucker suit. Awesome yeah. fitting, very yeah. nice. The first thing this kid tries to do in it because he's drunk is do a split. Oh, split. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't pan out well for the pants. Yeah, no, no it didn't pan. It, oh, oh, the yeah. whole way. All yeah, the whole way. Down. And he wore it the whole rest. Thank of the God night. he had really? underwear. We went to Starbird. He I mean, wore we underwear went all over Dewey. Yeah, yeah. He's got the biggest rip down his pants. <laughs> he wore underwear, which is a. Thank God. Yeah. So the wedding, the wedding was in Delaware. Dewey, yeah. It was oh, it was in Dewey. Yeah, it was nice. great. That's where the wedding was. Yeah, on the beach there at the life sta- uh, lifeguard station. It was a historic site. So I was yeah. right on the beach. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, what did you you wanted to ask me about inspiration? Yes, we wanted to talk a little bit about your motivation because um, you started a YouTube channel and you started, you know, putting out there. YouTube you started channel. putting out there like. As an older guy starting to take care of his diet again, and you want to live purposefully and find meaning through that next chapter of your life. Yeah. What's been your, like, your, what's been guiding you? I failed. Okay. At what? At me. That's the start to motivation. I yeah, failed at me. And it, you can't even say, like, honestly, like, you can't even really elaborate too much on that. Well, once I, once I, you fail, I you mean, realize I, that you, you, you can only 
what happens when you go down? You can only go up, right? Well, I got a I got a wake up call. I didn't fail in life. I mean, I'm a productive person. I have a house, two children, well well adjusted. Yeah, failure failure to me. Nina just got married. They're doing well. You know, I I always read and 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 I try to philosophize. And I found out I woke up one day. It was February second, the Super Bowl, about two years ago, when it started. My realization that I failed. Um, my wife made this incredible Super Bowl dinner. Wings and this and dips. and Trouble was there was only two of us there. And I ate like a glutton to the point where at one point I just sat there uh, and went, what the hell am I doing? I had no governor. Fast forward about six months later, and well, there's a long story in there, but I did cut it out, um, and, and, and I realized uh, mentally I, I had failed myself. Mm-hmm. And then uh, six months later, Tommy, my daughter's husband today, meets me at a bar and says, hey, uh, meets me outside, the girls went shopping, and he says, Mr. V, can I talk to you? Mm-hmm. And, 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 I had already started to realize that I needed to fix who I was. So uh, downstairs, uh, I'll go to a minute, I guess. Um, he says to me, "I, I want to talk to you." Um, and, I, and I and I said, "Oh my God!" He's going to ask for my daughter's hand in marriage. And I was like, "Shit." Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to buy you a drink. He's never said, I'd like to buy you a drink, Mr. V. Yeah. So I knew something That's was That's always up. the other way. That's always, yeah, it's always, hey, do you so, want to have a drink? Yeah, no. That means you're no, buying. Yeah, but, so, Mr. V, I'd like to buy you a drink. And I went, oh, crap. He's going to ask for my daughter's name. And he, and he did. And all I heard again was, wah, 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 wah. And I, and I looked at him, and he was asking for my daughter's hand in marriage. And I felt like I was in a foreign land. My tongue got tied. I didn't know what to say. In my mind, I had rehearsed this a million times. In my mind, I had this witty, provocative response response full of rich advice that was profound in its nature that I could share with him that was this life-changing, altering Blah that he could use and carry forth in the land. Forever, yeah. My reaction was, no, no, I have another year, don't I? <laughs> and I sat there and I made some stupid joke. This was my speech at the wedding. Yeah, good speech. And I said, and I, and I spoke, this is my speech. I, I didn't bring it, I don't know where it was. I put it on my daughter's desk for her to keep if she wanted to. But the speech was really for Tommy, that I had failed my daughter. I had failed him. I didn't articulate this incredible philosophical uh, rendition of what I would have said to a man coming to ask for my greatest gift in life. You right. want to take my daughter's hand in marriage? You want to relinquish me of the responsibility that I bestowed on this precious flower? Mm-hmm. You want to take that from me? Let me tell you what that means to me. And I didn't come out with any of that. I came out with something ridiculously stupid. So I started early in February with this gluttony thing. And I built a gym downstairs. I said, I need to fix my mind, my body, and my spirit. All were screwed up. Mm -hmm. They had become complacent. I had become this... uh, uh, Not misdirected not misguided either I, I just had no I had no compass 
I didn't know where I wanted to get to. So I decided to myself, I, you know what, I'm going to get healthy, A. Eh? And, and I read, and back up, I went home and I tried to explain to my wife, Patty, just my God's gift to me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her, right? Yeah. I mean, she truly saved me from whatever stupid shit was going on in a male Rostanikov uh, Stochenistian uh, novel that you wanted some <laughs> black hole that I was in. She saved me from. Otherwise, I would I would have been, uh, you know, Hemingway's Old Man in the Sea. I would have gone fishing for eight days and wondered why I starved to death if it wasn't for her, you know? Um, so so she, she, she just saved me. Uh, and... And, and 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 I didn't do the same for my daughter. I didn't do the same. I didn't do uh, Tommy justice uh, when he asked me. So I went home and I and I said, okay, I've started to fix my diet. I'm gonna go uh, fix my uh, mind, body, and spirit. And I said, here's what I always said to my. I always procrastinated for everything. And I so I went in the last year and a half and I read Hemingway. I read Solzhenitsyn. I read. Um, uh, uh, Moby Dick and uh, stupid novels, three thousand pages of novels, the Gulag Archipelago, and and I sat and I read all this stuff, and and by the way, they don't make these novels. <laughs> I said my speech. They don't make these novels um, uh, f to inspire you. Um, they do in an odd way, if you read them and understand them. Perception. You have to understand them what they're trying to tell you. They are inspirational in the darkest ways humanly possible. Yeah. They are inspirational. Avoid this. Don't become that. This right. is why. Mm -hmm. And it goes into these uh, incredible it's like the novels. enormous way of being like, there's a better way. There's a better way. You know, and like if you don't, this signs. is what's waiting like, for oh, you. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's absolutely. the bottom. When your malevolence like, reaches a, such a level that you hit rock bottom. Every one of these epic novels, they hit such a bottom and guide you there and tell you that if you don't, this is what's waiting for you. If you're lazy in your mind, body, and spirit, mm -hmm. this is what it's in store for you. Yeah. Murder, mayhem, misguided deeds, uh, disaster. poverty, disaster, plague. Mm -hmm. I, I read Hamlet and I said, oh my God. Yeah probably the greatest play they say ever written and it was mind-blowing I read Hamlet and I was like Jesus dude slow the hell down you want to talk when you get into Hamlet get got into such in a short period of time did so much based on a, a roller coaster of events that were totally misunderstood and misguided and and at the end you know everybody's life is taken and you're sitting there going oh my god and you're reading it going this is a car crash avoid don't do that don't oh f he did it mm -hmm. you know that type of thing and 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 you have to read these to understand all this social justice crap that and I I, I texted just to today I, this is a fact mm -hmm. mind-boggling as it is after I read all these novels I read Shakespeare I read in the last year and a half and and I learned this um, I think uh, Desus uh, on his uh, Twitter uh, a fact and so um, the Daily Wire also published published it because. Um, uh, because one of the one of the gentlemen there, and I'm speaking too fast. I uh, I forgot his name for a second. I, I listen to his podcast all the time. But, um, not Clavin, not um, Ben Shapiro, but uh, uh, anyway. So he he graduated from Yale, and he says the fact: last year, 
was the first graduating class of Yale University. An English major was not required to read a single book of Shakespeare. Now you're an English major at Yale University, one of the preeminent universities in the world. You weren't required to read Shakespeare wow. as an English major. What are we doing? You don't have to sit there and decipher in English and examine and go deep right. be, beyond the first layer of onion to the next, or, or even, God forbid, the third layer of onion to find out yeah. what Shakespeare was talking to in his, in his language that he articulated so well. You as an English major from Yale weren't required to read Should Shakespeare. That's all they read as English major. That's where we got some of the literary masterpieces that we have today at, at Oxford and, and Yale and, and Harvard and all. Now it's this foo fooness uh, of where we are today. And that's touchy because they don't want to offend. And, and I don't think Shakespeare, I don't think Shakespeare, Shakespeare was meant to offend either. But it doesn't order, matter if he's order, there to offend. Yeah, because in order to think, you have to be you willing have to risk to being somebody. offensive. In, in order to speak you have right to be now, comfortable right. being uncomfortable. Right. You know what I mean? And you right can, now, I am offending somebody by saying this. There, I guarantee so you, you're going to get some feedback going. Ah, oh, guy's a lunatic. What's he talking about? To, in order to speak, you, that's when you, you know you're doing something right. 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 Because peel it back a layer, and open the dialogue with the person. You will most likely find the fact that they're just as warming and as loving as you. They might not share the same thing, but when you break down those barriers, you have to be willing to risk, like, like thinking deeper right. beyond something. Like I sent you a quote today, and it was like, "Rational discussion is only as possible." Or only has how was that worded? It was in the book. Um, a rational argument only has a chance of success as long as the emotionality of the situation does not reach like a critical degree. And once it surpasses that, no matter what objectivity you bring to the discussion, right. if it's too emotionally charged, it's it's a mute point. And, and, it I, and I forgive me, exist. I get passionate about this stuff. But. Um, so I, I apologize. My wife is going, you got too out of control. But, um, <laughs> uh, but that's me. That's the Yugoslavian to me, right? right. right. So, yeah, no, you got to be passionate about this. And, and I'll tell you why. I, you know what somebody said today? Um, uh, Douglas Murray said today, he said, you know what? It's that time. Uh, the, the mob has spoken there. And unfortunately, the mob is a small segment on either side. And, and Douglas Murray said today, he says, um, you know, it's time where, and, and even Democrat and Republican that I know, leftists are a whole different breed. That's what I'm talking about. I'm an independent. I, I was in the Army. I learned, I learned very early in Europe and here in my parents' upbringing. I don't give a flying F, so you don't have to edit me. I don't give a flying F. When we dug a foxhole in the military, I didn't give a crap if you were black, white, purple. I didn't care if you were that deer. If you got in the foxhole with me and you were ready to fight, yeah. you're my brother. That's right, yeah. I didn't give a we're crap. We're all on the same team. I don't care mm -hmm. if you're America's got to remember that we're all on the same team, looking for the same and nobody goal, thinks trying to provide the same exact thing for each and every family. They're making us think today. We're all trying to do the same thing. But, but the mob, uh, to Douglas Murray, he says, now is the time. 
because what they didn't do in Germany, they didn't do in Italy, they didn't do in uh, Stalin's Russia. When the mob struck, everybody said, you know what, I, I'm a good guy, but I'm going to wear your patch, whatever patch it is, just to so you don't appease bother you. me. I, I, I'm going to appease yeah. you guys, and I'm going to be part of it just so you don't bother me too. I'll, I'll wear but my mask, but here's, so here's an interesting fact. Did you read the novel um, Ordinary Men? Yeah, there's a good novel. I think it's Christopher Christopher Browning. It's Ordinary Men, and it's it's talking about when they came to Poland, and how they were like, "Look, we're in war, and certain things in war are you know crazier than than normal, right? Yeah, but we're not going to force you to anything that you're not, that you don't feel comfortable doing. So if you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to do it. And these were ordinary guys, and they found real quickly that like just all right. Well, it started with. Hey, we're gonna round these people up. We're gonna put them in a hole, right? And it started there. And he was just like, "Oh, okay, this is war. They're prisoners. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are prisoners." And then it was like, "Well, now you're not giving them food." And then it came to the point where it was like, yeah. "No, actually, you're gonna take them out back and put a little at a time, a chip." And at it was a time. like a, a small little incremental thing that happened over time. And we bring the when we talk about this, and I and I want listeners that if they're they're listening intently, to know that. There is emphatic motivation in these stories to become incrementally better at what you do every day so that way these catastrophes don't happen. Examples. It's, it's examples of history gone really bad and you can be resolute within your mind by reading books to understand the, the art of putting yourself together. And like he said, I failed. And he took a triumphant path towards redemption. Mm -hmm. And it's that hero myth towards like, well, I'm going to figure myself out. Maybe it's starting with like, I don't have to eat the 12 chicken wings after a burger. Right. right. I have my right. burger. I have my stuff. Right. And then tomorrow, after you've done that, you're like, all right, well, I, I'm also going to go for a run for the first time in a while. Mm -hmm. And you put yourself together that way. And slowly but surely, that snowball gets behind you. Your and mind, now your you're spirit, an absolute your freight train towards being the best possible version of yourself that you could ever that you couldn't even have imagined when you started. When you started, you couldn't have imagined the heights that you could reach. And that's how like like we we take the human body and existence for granted. And it's there so and it's like you're capable of so much more on your shoulders Absolutely. than you would ever possibly imagine because because your body is stronger than your mind. And if you don't read and you don't take the time to learn yourself and you don't sharpen your mind, you'll never get to the best version of yourself. So I, I apologize. I digress there tremendously. But to Tom, to Tommy and back to why I did it, um, uh, tried mind, body, and spirit. Um, one, one quote for everybody out there um, is, is that I love and, and I live by is um, evil only exists when good men do nothing. And uh, a uh, that's a great philosophical quote. Thank you. Um, so, so I started so started writing this, and, and I'm sitting there. Uh, what do I do? So, so I went and read. I built a gym. I got into kettlebells. It's on my link to my. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw that. I saw that video. Pa uh, Pavlov uh, is a 
Pav, Pavlov, uh, the Russian guy. I didn't. I, I listened to the history of it. It's a fascinating history about the kettlebell. Mm -hmm. And because you know, I'm older. I didn't want to hurt myself. I tried lifting weights. I, I got to 225 at one time with my friend as mm -hmm. a young man back then, and I was huge. Mm -hmm. um, I, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to get strong. Right. Strength was going. Something weird happens to you when you turn 40-ish, guys. Just warning. And when you turn 50, something else happens um, to you. I'm getting there. No. <laughs> when 40? I, I knew you kind of were saying that. Like, 40, he's not There's a one. I got a little bit. No, no at 40-something, your body develops one pain. And one day it's here, next day it's here, over here. And you're sitting there at 40, he's going, well, why does that hurt today? I don't. And it wanders. Dude, I've got two knee surgeries. I feel that already. You're telling me that's going to start at 40? No, it wasn't even these. I have two ACLs. I have two. No. But, and then at 50. I wake up some days, I'm like, man, my neck. Oh, darn it. But at 50, wait till 50. 50, you get two pains. Two pains. And they start going. And you're like, I was sick and tired of feeling that way. So mind, body, and spirit. I fixed I fixed my mind. I started reading. I, I started to understand philosophy. And uh, I, I went back that night and I, I reread. I, as a young man in college, I read Plato's Republic. I went back and reread it. Um, I, and, and I said, I got so much out of this later on. You're fortunate. You're young enough and you're starting now. I definitely would read that, Plato's Republic. It's a hard read, but it's it's worth it. I think I read it in college. Yeah. That is a tough read because I think they were talking about... Well, Socrates, Plato talks about Socrates' arguments and everything. And yeah. But human yeah. nature doesn't change. So over the millennia, it doesn't change. We're There's good, a story bad, in there where they're talking about the globs, right? Where like when they... When the assault on Olympus happened, humans, when when they were first together, right, there used to be, like, there was, like, a glob form. And there were guys that have... something else. It's definitely in Plato, though, because I had a philosophy class. And they were... It looks this thing. It was like a, like a they, molecular Like, uh, the, the gods, in order to fight off these humans, because they were too powerful, split them. They had a right? photosynthesis. So you had, like, the majority of people that were, like, male-male, uh, or... Male, female, right? Because it was almost like a, like a, like a twin, you, right? You're thinking of something. Plato's the Republic. Then maybe I'm is thinking of Socrates. He, 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 they had a dinner party and they're discussing like the oh, they, they well, how did many men things. happen yeah, yeah, and yeah. what's the like, and they're discussing sexuality too. Well, they're discussing human nature, right. really, who we are, yeah. and you know, so um, a great. Great read, some of it, and, and this quote I've highlighted stuff. My wife goes, "What the hell are you doing? I was trying to get better." So, uh, and so I was watching a TED, you know, TEDx, mm -hmm. TED uh, um, uh, speech, and this uh, uh, woman, a behavioral psych uh, uh, psychologist, said something to me profound that I just didn't know. I was, and I, my whole life I'm searching for. I want somebody to motivate me, and she said they have done extensive studies, uh, meta studies, where they have figured out it is impossible to motivate another individual. Did you know that? Oh yeah, no, yeah. I've been I've been reading into this for a while. Yeah, you. No I can't like, motivate you. Exactly. I can inspire you. Can you can inspire. I can inspire you initially to go do something, but motivation, motivation comes from, comes from within. within. And I didn't understand that. I did not know that, and it took me fifty six years to figure it out. But and the most dangerous place that you could be is a comfort zone. And that's where I was. I was in a that's comfort what, zone. I wanted to say that earlier, that you, it, the comfort zones are very, very... 
uncomfortable until Awful. you realize that you're in a comfort zone, then it becomes very uncomfortable. Awful. Because you're like, how do I get out of here? I mean, this right. is such, I made this such a cozy you place. You can breathe. Yeah. You, you can, can breathe, breathe, but you're not doing anything else. Yeah, but you you're don't realize water. what you're doing yourself. You're just treading water. Exactly. And you're just coasting. So, for the last... Right. Before you know it, you wake up a certain age well, because you that, a certain yeah. feeling. That comfort zone, while gone. initially might feel safe and secure... Oh, it's safe. It starts to get suffocating. Oh, 100%. You know, it's like you're swaddled on the couch, but you had just gotten out of, like, a you know, a cold shower, so you feel yeah. great, and you're laying there, and it's like... It's like being in a and, coma. And, and you fell asleep, and now you wake up, and your hands are tied, and right. you're in a straight jacket... And it's like, oh, I'm swaddled to death. I can't. Where do I'm I go? How yeah. do I get out of this? Right. And you almost have to like, and then it's a labyrinth. And you make the, the journey out so much harder than it needs to be. So, uh, so by, then, by staying in that zone for too yeah. long. And yeah. when you watch my video there, on, I got a good picture of my motivation. I put the Punisher up there, the Punisher skull. And it says, uh, mind, body, spirit, faith, family. And all those things that uh, you should concentrate on, and I, and I do believe you, if you uh, write things down, that that uh, inspires you uh, and motivates mm -hmm. you as well. So if you see them every day, um, you tend to think about them every day. If you t think about them every day, you tend to do them every day. Yeah. So I work out every single day, and I challenge anybody to pick up a kettlebell and work for 12 minutes. I have a link on my. Um, uh, YouTube channel to a couple English guys that do a 12 minute workout on a kettlebell. If you could do it, kudos to you because it's hard. <clears throat> and, and if you, you can't do it, try to do it. Try, and, and it took me a long yeah. time to do it to the point where I didn't get the yeah. exhaustion. Start lower. Start so it's like lower. If you can't do it with a five pound, do it with a two and exactly. a half. Exactly. I started with a 20. Thank God. Yeah. Um, then I bought a 36, a one pound. And, um, and I do it with that now. And I've gotten those pains have gone away I treat my wife better I feel better spiritually well he also he also put himself in a nice sauna too and I've read a lot about uh, I've listened to <laughs> that also can relax you well, now do you do essential oils no I you do should incense while you're in the sauna while I'm working out gotcha in the sauna, you should get some like some eucalyptus, eucalyptus or like some orange, orange or something. So like when you like put but, it in, like I know I'm on the same journey, man. I'm with you, man, and like it changes you. Like I, 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 I was a boxer for over ten years. Ask Donovan, like I run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see you. I see yeah. you all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. You know, I'm always doing that, and like that's my comfort zone. Do you know what I mean? But it's a comfort zone that is. Did you do you get crazy like, if you don't do it every day? I'll be honest with you. You know why? I because I turn. I didn't just turn it into a commodity. I turned it into a lifestyle. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's like what I do. If my body doesn't work, if my mind doesn't work, if my spirit isn't right, then I'm not going to be prepared for any challenge that that I have to face. Do you know what I mean? Because if your mind's not working, you're not going to be able to function and be able to like deal with certain challenges that life brings to you. If your body's not working, physically you're not going to be capable to do a lot of things. And it's not, oh, I think I have time to go to the gym today, or I think I have time to take care of myself. No, you make time. Because you have to be prepared oh, yeah. mentally, physically, and spiritually for every. Do you know how old that thought process is? So when I went home and read Plato's Republic again, Socrates is engaged in a Socrates is engaged in a discussion mm -hmm. with some with some uh, um, disagreeing fellows, and uh, and he and he says that two thousand years ago, three thousand years ago, um, 
2,500 years ago. Uh, he, sa- is sa- he says, you, you could be the greatest mind in the world, but if your body quits on you, you die, you come feeble, you can't articulate, you do. You have to have all three mm-hmm. in order to be mind, body, effective. Mind, body, and spirit, you have to have in order to uh, uh, make a change in influence and, and, and uh, provide motivation for somebody. So the thing on the motivation is, it comes within. You have to one day decide, like I did when I hit bottom with the food, with my response to Tommy, um, uh, when he asked for my daughter's hand in marriage, and when I went back and read uh, Socrates' quote that Plato put down, I, and I just I realized that the three elements of who I was were not as sharp as they should have been, <laughs> to say the least. So. That's just my, you have to, if, 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 and the only reason I did my video, the only reason I put it out was to complete and be true to myself. I, I started articulating this stuff to folks like yourself. Okay. And I said, you know what? I sucked it up even though it was embarrassing to put it out. I said, you know what? If it inspires one person, my age or young or whatever, if it inspires somebody to go take that first step and go, Oh, screw it. Let me buy a 20-pound kettlebell and let me try this for a little while. Mm-hmm. You automatically feel better. After a few weeks, you look better. When you look better, you're confident, and you look like you put on a brand-new suit mm-hmm. that's custom-made for you, mm-hmm. and you feel a little a little pep in your step. You give your wife a little wink. Yeah. You, you treat somebody, and they go, Hey, people have told me, oh, there's something different about you. Tommy, you look great. You Tommy great. says to me, he goes, Mr. B, you always look different every time I see you. I says, thanks. Yeah, I don't know if that's good or bad. It's because every <laughs> day I'm working to be the best version of myself. I'm trying. And that's every the day. only answer that you can really and give. And I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. Yeah. So I'm. Kudos. I, I was inspired by the video. Thanks, man. Yeah, I wasn't watching it on my phone. I wasn't like I like streamed it right to my television. Oh no! Screen mirrored it. (laughs) So you were six foot Milan. Yeah, six foot fat Milan. (laughs) (laughs) Belly out to here. (laughs) It was was inspiring. No, I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Um, guys. You're young and you're doing this, and it gives me all the things I said about uh, the mob and where we're going. it's it's these moments that uh, give me faith and hope about the future that they're being heard because they have a venue to be heard by and I, I don't think it'll last because there's folks like you that will stand up and say okay enough mm-hmm. enough you know well and and I think that right now you have you know our generation that sees and understands the problem right and we and we i have empathy towards why the discussion's being had and i understand the place that they're coming from now the solution is where it's the conversational port you know it's like hey let's break this down let's get to the conversational point to this and let's do this in ways that's like let's let's understand the the literature for for becoming more purposeful and understanding the like you know if we're a collection of people you know it's it's upon each person to be to be great for society to be, to be great, great right and you can help 
bring people up. But like we said before, the motivation comes from within. So try to be as inspiring, try to be as helpful, try to be as knowledgeable, be a source of, and how does Jordan Peterson say this? It's like when you've mastered your own uh, catastrophe, right? Like when you've been you able, clean your first room, right, your room's like, in order. But like when you have yourself in order and you have yourself so in order that there's excess, then you can begin to help, mm-hmm. right? But like help. start with yourself. Get it all together first, which is where the motivation comes from. And that's where all of us, like, we talked it last week, too, that the incremental betterment of of oneself will only benefit society because when you get really, really, really good, everyone around you will extort that talent for the most possible gain that we could ever have. And whether that's inspiration or whether that's just abject, like, you know, charitable giving or creation of some sort of product that changes the way that we do everything that only happens from the, from the individual being able to look within themselves to move us forward. I love what Jordan Peterson says about that. Um, He says, uh, you know, how, how are you going to fix the world? There was a question from the audience by this uh, social justice warrior, young girl. She couldn't have been 20, 18. And she says, she says, uh, oh, whatever question. He goes, you want to fix the world's economy? You're 18 years old. He goes, fix your room first. After you fix your room first, you could help the rest, uh, your brother out. If you helped your brother out and you fixed your room, you can help your family out. After you f- help your family out, maybe you can help out your town. After you helped out your town, maybe you could help out... The only, but it's got to start local. with the foundation, yeah. and you've got that. The only way you could go change the world is if, hell, you know how to dress yourself, feed yourself, uh, yeah. and build a house on white sand. No, you're exactly right. So foundation, and you yeah. guys are great, laying great foundation, and I'm honored to to be here with you guys. I know he's probably waving at us. Yeah, yeah, but um, we're done, Jamie. um but uh no no thank you for coming on because it was it was something that i wanted to you know we've talked a bunch and we've talked a bunch and i wanted to get to the root of like you know with these great authors and the more that i'm reading and i you know i always set myself up for the ability to change my opinion based upon new information but i really felt like through this summer and the things that i've gone through and the the relationship ups and downs with certain individuals. It was like, I got to a point in the middle of summer where I just kind of looked around and I was like, man, I got to change something. I keep getting to this point and it doesn't get further. And, you know, you and I had this conversation mm-hmm. one night because it's like, I'm really terrible at like hiding my emotions. And you were like, man, this is tearing you up. Mm-hmm. And it was that point where it was like a certain individual. You was like, your emotions though. I know a certain individual kind of put it into, yeah. into perspective for me. You know, where it was like, I was waiting for the big thing to happen for me to do all the little things correctly. Yes. Yep. You know, it was like, I was like, I was waiting no, for no, this the big aha thing, moment no, the to, big like, thing to is make the, this big change. Uh, and then it's like, well, then no, I'll be able to do this, this, no, this, and no, this. No, no. And right. it was like, me too. oh my gosh, it was like so succinctly put to me after like months of reflections upon a, like a, a thing that 
didn't go well that I was what like that I was just kind of like too long and then you realize that you're the opportunity's gone yeah. you're like holy shit the opportunity's gone it was so you know what the big thing like, is I'm missing I'm you, missing the day to day I'm missing the little tiny things that mm-hmm. make it better the big thing is an accumulation of all the little things yeah and because if I had the big thing given to me I would have ruined it you know it's like if I bought the house or the the building would have happened or all the dreams that I was talking yeah. about, I would have absolutely ruined it because I didn't even know how to take care of what I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wouldn't have been ready for it. I wouldn't have been ready for the big thing if I didn't work incrementally every day. And I'm still working because I'm not, by all means, not perfect, but like trying to put my sock drawer together. Mm-hmm. To, you know, like little tiny things will make you just slightly better. And then. Well, hopefully, then it'll happen. hopefully this made somebody better watching or something because yeah. I don't know if I was really inspiring, but uh, um, I no, would like I think... to inspire uh, anybody with a Yale degree in English to to read a, a Shakespeare novel. Um, that would be a great. Thing. I don't know if the people from <laughs> Yale are listening, but if anybody somebody needs if to anybody's read. questioning why we might have these opinions, I would just ask you to read the books. That we've mentioned, and maybe Absolutely. on the YouTube we'll post a li- like a list, a list of books. I'll send because you it's a list. Like if yeah, because yeah, if like if you read the books, you'll kind of understand why we might have those opinions. And I and I'm sure because I started reading some from the other way too. It's like there needs to be a middle ground because on that side too, there's there's decent books over there as well that like kind of bring me to a point mm-hmm. of knowing and understanding the other side, and I and I get their points. And oh, you have maybe, to watch like, both sides, by the way. You, you I'm a podcast. You have to. You have to. Uh, Sam Harris. You got to watch mm-hmm. Steve Pinker. Uh, Steve Pinker. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stephen Pinker uh, just wrote a book, uh, completely inspiring, but totally. Pan- now, Stephen Pinker, if you don't know, is is a uh, Harvard uh, behavioral psychologist, I believe. Um, far, uh, very, very, very much Democrat. Um, uh, exalted by the Democrats except he wrote a book recently in it is justification for Western civilization in it is I don't know how many pages it is but he talks about how much we are better off today because of democracy because of mm-hmm. uh, capitalism he puts 75 charts that he that he gets from all over the world in every country we are better off economically socially um uh, uh, murders, killings, wars, whatever, mm-hmm. poverty than we were ever right. in the history of mankind. So, and that isn't is to gloss to like, and 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 the point that I was trying to make with that is, as we say things like that, that's not to gloss over the glaring, like, mishaps of our past. It's not meant to know. just be like, oh, look, yeah. like, just forget about it. Like, no, there needs to be the understanding. But like, we're working towards this, and we've we've been trying to get there and we're better. very close better. you know and we're increment like we're incrementally better every single year like stay the course don't throw it away don't throw it away so it's important hey we're gonna end on uh being incrementally better incrementally every day. better every incrementally day incrementally better cheers mate cheers salute salute Gigli.